There's just one thing that's, you know, everyone has been looking at. I think it was trending at number one on YouTube. It was. Which for a very niche thing was impressive. I am, of course, talking about the McMurtry Spearling. Nicely pronounced. Yeah. And it's run at the Goodwood Festival of um, Speed. Yeah, talk about a car announcing itself on the world stage. We obviously knew about this car because we had it along to our um, performance car of the year, Speed Week test uh, last summer. Um, uh, but it wasn't running. It was static. We were walking around it and we were sort of going, this is brilliant, but is it ever going to work? What an ascension, because it's literally a year, because we saw it in a, under a crappy gazebo, basically, at the Festival Speed last year. Go, that looks quite interesting. Yeah. Little baby Batmobile slipper thing. Then we got speaking to them, like, wow, this is actually a lot more interesting. Then they brought it to Performance Car of the Year. They turned all the fans on and we were blown away. Yeah, and then so they sounds, just like been... a, sounds like a jumbo jet about to take off, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's the, it's the size of a hamster cage. And then <laughs> it's just getting quicker and quicker. They, they've been putting on Instagram laps at Silverstone just destroying GT3 cars. So then it announced itself at the Festival of Speed by going quicker every day until, you know, obliterating everything else that was there and then going quicker than the IDR. Yeah, and by the way, if you haven't uh, seen this, I mean, of course you have, because it's been absolutely everywhere, all over the internet, but this is the most bizarre car you've ever seen. It looks like uh, Batmobile crossed with your nan's slipper, basically, um, but it's a 1,000-horsepower electric car. It's got 2,000 tons, no, Two tons. That is a lot. That is a lot. Um, uh, At zero miles an hour because the fans are creating the suction. Um, So it's an extraordinary thing that does things that other cars can't do. And it's brilliant. British made, British engineered. It's a really, really exciting car that's looking at the whole performance car thing from a different angle. But it also bamboozles your brain and eyes in equal measure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we can stop talking about it because there's someone who can tell us a lot more about it the man that was strapped to it and drove it navigated it at serious speed past everything at the goodwood festival of speed to to win that's uh ex f well former f1 ex indycar driver max chilton brave brave chap should we speak to max let's have a word with max max how you doing I'm very good. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, currently down in Cornwall, but uh, still living on. I'm probably. I was on cloud nine. I'm now probably on cloud five after uh, breaking the record at the Festival of Speed. Yeah, has the adrenaline kind of finally subsided? How did it take? Is it probably the biggest hit of adrenaline you've ever had? It, it probably is one of the biggest bits of shots of adrenaline I've ever had because. Um, I've been a professional driver um, for 21 years, maybe not professional for 21 years, but I've been racing for 21 years. Um, and you get used to it over a time and you you get practice, you get, you know, multiple laps and qualifying. I've never done anything so intense like a hill climb. On stat, you've got completely stone cold tyres. Uh, you've got a, probably over 100,000 people crowd um, at Goodwood. And then you've got millions of people watching videos afterwards and there was also it was also live on ITV1 Sky Sports F1 so it was a it was a big reach and there was a lot of pressure because the team had announced we were going to break the record even though I didn't think the record was potentially on so I felt a lot of pressure um but uh, absolutely loved it that's why I went a little bit over the top when I got to the top I was ecstatic because I genuinely was in shock that we had broken the record um, you know, that play it cool, Rodney. I definitely didn't play it cool. I just sort of uh, went wild <laughs> and uh, enjoyed it. But I think that made it even more special and hence why the, the video's gone viral. I think it's the most watched uh, Goodwood uh, video they've ever, ever done. I actually really yeah, nicely num- got sent an email from um, 
the Duke of Richmond uh, yesterday saying that uh, the video that we put up on or they put up on YouTube is well over two million views now. And uh, the, the some of the videos at Glastonbury uh, are only at like 300,000. So they're very happy. Honestly, it was such an amazing moment because it totally transcended, you know, not normally stuff that happens at Goodwood we talk about amongst ourselves and our and our mates that are into cars. But this one just, you know, I, I turned up at my parents-in-law house and my mother-in-law it was the first thing she talked about. Did you see that car going up the hill at Goodwood? So it was a brilliant kind of cultural moment that just caught everyone's attention. And um, I, th- I think the best thing we can do now, Ro, is just to get Max to take us through it. Yeah, because it, it, it was hard. And the commentators say themselves, they're professional commentators. They can't keep up with how fast the car is going. So we don't want you to, to go through it in uh, 39 seconds. But yeah, if you could just start and tell us what it was like on the start line and run us through the complete hill climb at human speed. Okay. And then we can get to McMurtry speed afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it would be great. Yeah, no problem. So uh, basically, uh, we all queue um, down at the start line behind all these, these amazing drivers like Travis Pastrana and the amazing Sue, Scooby. Uh, you've got Jensen Button in a all-electric buggy. There was some amazing drivers and vehicles. I was obviously the last car up because I was the fastest in qualifying. Um, so there's a lot of sitting around. Um, you get maybe a hundred meter stretch just before the yard of bricks to warm your tires up, which realistically does nothing, but it's a bit of a show pleaser and makes a load of smoke. So I did a couple of burnouts um, and then you stop with your car on the, on the yard of bricks. And most people very quickly then go. Um, but with our car, um, you have to then s- turn the fans on, which take around seven to eight seconds to fully sprawl up to 23,000 RPM, which is where we were, we were at. Um, and at that point, when I can hear the fans that are starting to idolise, which means we've got full fan speed, the car's now sucked down and we've got the equivalent of two tonnes of downforce. At this point, I then release my foot off the brake and it is literally, I can't explain how fast it is. I've, I've been lucky enough to race in Formula One and the 0-60 time we did on the Sunday was nearly half the speed of what I've, I've done in Formula One. So the, the 0-60 time is ridiculous, but it just keeps on going. Um, and obviously at Goodwood, it's a hill climb. Things come at you very quickly. So very quickly, I was at 100 miles an hour and turn one is approaching very quickly. You've got people leaning over the balcony on the suites at turn one with glasses of champagne. And I've got to literally hit the brakes for a few tenths of a second because the thing stops so quick before chucking it into the corner. Um, I chucked into the corner. The thing's got so much grip. It's unbelievable. And you just have to trust it. Um, you'll notice that on the video that I leave a little bit of room on either side. Uh, just the way the fan system works, it's really important that I sort of keep that seal to give us maximum grip. So I was sort of going as quickly as I could without cutting the corners. Um, And also we're going so quick, you don't want to be jumping the car about. So I sort of made sure I had a little bit of tolerance, but also going so quickly, you can't fully take in the corners. So I sort of left a bit of room, but I was as hard and on the throttle and brake as I could. Turn two is a little dab of the brake, but straight back on the power. And then we limited the car to 150 miles an hour, um, gearing-wise. So I was at 150 miles an hour for over four seconds past the house, under the bridge, with people either side. I mean, there's crowds 10 deep. Um, and it's not really a straight, but it bends around to Morecambe. And Morecambe's a horrible corner because it's blind. It, it's, there's no straight braking zone. There's no curb to sort of see where the apex is. So it's very much like looking where you're going. Um, but again, the thing corners so rapidly and accelerate so rapidly before you know it you're thinking oh my god flint walls coming up and that's one area i felt was a bit of my strength i was very committed 
So I sort of just dabbed the brakes and chucked it in. And there's a few videos that have gone viral from behind where you can see the car having a bit of a wobble because I sort of chucked it in at such a speed. Um, but we get through there so quickly. And then it's, a, again, a quick dab of the brakes before the right-hander. That's the tightest corner on the track. There's, the hay bells seem to narrow. The faster you go, the narrower it gets. Um, and then it's a quick dash up to the last corner. The last corner's not flat. Um, it's a little lift, um, no brake. Um, I actually turned in too early on the Sunday run and clipped the hay bale at the front left. So you'll see a little bit of a wobble with the onboard. And um, I lost about two or three tenths by doing a lift mid-corner. And then it's a quick dash to the finish. And again, we're at 150 miles an hour before you know it crossing the line. So there was a few tenths in it still. Um, and we also got quite a few updates to go on the car, which could definitely save or shave at least two or three seconds off that, we reckon. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully no one tries to compete with us because we know we've got plenty more left in the tank. Yeah, take that limiter off and God only knows what's going to happen if you were sat at 150. But it was when it came out of Morecambe and just accelerated after that, I just couldn't believe it. That's when I was like, oh my God, my eyes, I need to upgrade my eyes to be able to deal with this. Yeah, I mean, you've probably heard this a million times, but the number of people that thought the video was in fast forward, they thought that there was some sort of film trickery going on. You're like, nope, 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 that car's actually doing that. What I want to know, do you, you, you spoke about it a bit there, but... Was there some sort of fundamental relearning of how to drive a car? So as a racing driver, there were sort of principles about, you talked about braking in a straight line and and all the sorts of normal ways of shifting the, the weight balance in a car. Is this just because you've got all that suction all the time, uh, do you have to recalibrate your brain, you know? Yeah, to, to force yourself to lob it in. It's absolutely a bit of a backwards way of thinking. I've been test driving this now since November last year and I'm still getting better on the brakes because... I've raced something uh, for a downforce car for sort of over 12 years. And the way you brake, and actually even without a downforce car or like a single seater, you still brake in the same way, even in go-karting. When you're carrying your maximum speed, you brake as hard as you physically can when you're carrying the most amount of air over the the car, which is giving you the downforce. As you slow down, you're losing grip because the downforce is reducing. So you start to then like blend off of the brake pedal as the grip reduces. Well, with this car, the downforce is at two tonnes at zero miles an hour, 200. So the downforce doesn't change. So when you get to a braking zone, you just hit the brake and keep applying that same pressure until you want to come off the brakes and then you go straight back on the power. There's no, um, you know, in in racing, we call it a ski slope. So you brake up hard and then ski slope off. This is just up, stay at the top and then drop down and then you're back hard on the gas. And the best thing is when you get back on the gas, it's got traction control, but at half the time, it's not even cutting in the traction control because it's got so much suck, suck down. It's got, you know, basically the weight of a Range Rover Vogue sat on its roof. It's, it can't allow the, the wheels to, to, to slip because it's just so much load going through these tyres. Um, Avon did an amazing job of these tyres to, d- to develop a sidewall which could take that amount of load. Um, so it's all a little bit backwards. Um, and it's got active suspension to try and keep it in a, its ideal um, optimum range. So it's a, a very clever bit of tra- um, you know technology that these these uh, engineers have come up with. Um, but it's just amazing. It's a good car even with the fans off. But when you turn the fans on, it opens up a whole new dimension that I personally didn't think was possible um, in a racing car. As I said, I've raced in Formula One. When you get to the tight corners and acceleration at Silverstone, where we've done a lot of our testing it is by far quicker than the, the, the lap time that I did in the Formula 1 car. Wow. And and how does it does it take a while to get used to the size of it? 
because it is so diddy in comparison to everything else, and especially when you compare it to the VW IDR, it's an absolute, you know, it, it's tiny in comparison, and how much more of the, you know, the Duke's uh, driveway that you can use uh, must make all the difference. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the things that helped us, is it's so, it's quite a, an agile car, but it's also um, so small that it gave us more room to play with. So the, the VW IDR is quite a wide car, especially with the Pike Peaks, you know, uh, carbon wings on the side. It actually makes, takes up a lot of the hill climb. So I think that was uh, a benefit to us. But when you're actually in it, I mean, I don't mind small spaces, but it, for me, it, sm- it, it not smells. It feels like when I was in an LMP1 car, um, you know, they, they all feel quite tight when you close the carbon doors down, but it's quite a comfortable environment. I think where it's different is it's just the wheelbase is small. So the wheelbase is two metres long. And I was actually at Silverstone um, for the Grand Prix and I found out that the width of a modern Formula One car is two metres. So our wheelbase is the same width as a Formula One car. Um, and that's that's the only real difference between our car and maybe a Formula Three car. It's just the wheelbase. Actually, when you're in the cockpit, it feels no different from a Formula Three car, an F2 car or an F1 car. And on that note, what does the, 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 the cockpit of an LMP1 car smell like? <laughs> Usually very, uh, yeah, burning rubber, probably the horrible smell of sweat and uh, and smoke where the, you know, the bottom of the car is rubbing along the floor. It's, uh, yeah, it's probably not the best of smells, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. So what, um, so Max, what what's next for this, for this car? Um, is it, you know, it's now announced itself on the world stage. Uh, are people going to be able to buy one for themselves? Is this technology going to be put into a range of cars? What, what What's next for McMurtry? It's still very early days, but it's uh, a, a, a road car is definitely on the horizon. I mean, the car that we've currently took up the hill at Goodwood um, is is fundamentally what we will sell to the consumer. Um, we're actually allowed to drive that on the road as it is. The DVLA have approved it. That's why we put the number plate on there. We were very proud to to stick a number plate on the car the week before we went up the hill. Um, and I think that's quite cool that actually it's a road car that's has broken the uh, the record. Um, it's obviously not going to be a car you maybe take to work every day, but you most certainly can take it to work. Um, and there's going to be maybe around 100. We don't really know the price point yet, but we've had a huge amount of interest um, from all over the world um, of, of people that love racing, obviously have fairly deep pockets, but want to experience what G-Force feels like in a fairly drivable way. The car's very unique, where if you went and bought a F2 car, even if you could, or you can't, but let's say you could, you have to know how to drive pretty well to maximise the downforce to be able to pull the Gs through the corner. Well, with this car, it's got the downforce there. So the grip is its like a scale electric car. As long as you do the fundamentals of, of not hitting the gas too early and not braking too late, it should hug the corner well. It's got powered steering, so it's not overly physical. It's quite physical on the neck because it pulls quite a lot of G-force. But I think with, a, with maybe giving someone five days in this um, they'll be able to get to a pretty decent lap time. If you gave someone five days in an F2 car, they still would be miles off the pace because it's just, you, it's really hard to maximise the downforce. So it's going to be a, a very cool track slash road car, which you can take to work. Um, but I like telling people that you can drive it from London to Silverstone, lap, do a lap time similar to F2, F2 pace, and then drive back to London. I mean, there's no other road car that comes anywhere near that. We're we're probably 20 seconds a lap quicker around Silverstone than any other road car. I tell you what, 
if you work for a company where your boss turns out to work in a McMurtry Spearling, that is a good company to work for. I think it's amazing. And do you think um, you're talking about 100 cars there, not sure about price. Will each one come with a Max Chilton driving lesson? Um, I'm sure uh, I'm sure something will happen like that. That's the way we want to try and develop it. Um, I've, I've been there, um, a official sort of test driver um, for nearly a year now, and it's been a passion of mine to always develop a road car slash race car, and that's why it works so well. They're, they're a British team, British engineer, British manufactured with a British test driver. Um, I'm hoping fast forward three years, we might have uh, plenty of customers with cars at Silverstone or Donington, and I'll be there coaching them. Obviously, I can't get in the car with them because they're, uh, they're a little bit tight for two people to get in. Um, but that's how I, I envision the sort of test days looking. Um, and uh, we've already had some pretty big names asked to have a car. Uh, there's been a lot of interest in America. So it seems pretty global as well. So it's, it's a really exciting time. A lot of people hadn't heard of McMurtry um, two weeks ago. And now um, I think it's gone. If you're into motorsport or road cars, everyone has seen the video of me going up the hill. And even when I watch the videos, I think, geez, who on earth driving that? They must be mad. But when you're in the car, it feels you know, quite stable. Um, and I think one of the other cool features of it, having raced my whole life, when you see lots of dust and smoke coming up behind a car, you know they're on a hot lap because usually that means it's the skid of, of the on the bottom of the car. Um, but this isn't the skid. This is just it's sucking the dirt out of the track. But it gives it a nice rooster tail. It makes it look like it's going even faster than it actually is. Yeah, because we had it our performance car of the year 12 months ago and we just got boys turn the fans on and it is one hell of a party piece to be able to knock out uh, to everyone else because it does sound like a jet fighter just yeah. about to take off yeah. but with the idr and the other bits they went and chased other records surely you know you can take chunks out of other circuits and hill climbs pikes peak the nurburgring etc is that the plan um again it's very early days i've actually got a call um shortly uh to see how we're you know how we're getting on with uh, trying to develop the car and also what our future goals are. Uh, a challenge that I'd quite like to do is prove that it can do long distance on the road um, because obviously on a track, we're using a huge amount of demand for the power and the fans. On the road, you're hardly you're asking anything of it. So we can do hundreds of miles on a, on a range, which I think is quite cool. So I think we'll try and do some long distance driving. Um, some people have mentioned Pikes Peak. I mean, may, maybe, in, maybe in a few years' time, it's definitely not on the the near horizon, the main thing is to get the cars underway and start selling them to clients. And, you know, that it's got to be a business at the end of the day. So that's the main focus. Um, but I'd like to, at the end of the year, try and break uh, the sort of the ultimate road car lap record around Silverstone. Um, I don't know where we're going to be able to be compared to Formula One. I mean, Formula One are on another level with it in terms of downforce once they get over 150 miles an hour. But I think we can get, you know, close to the point where people will be shocked that a road car can get that close to a Formula 1 car. So I think that's the probably the next challenge at the uh, towards the end of the year is to, to go as fast as we can around there. And I also think the thing that you've done, you know, electric cars, this uh, revolution in uh, e EVs for road cars is, is happening right in front of us. But, you know, they're, they're quite samey in terms of powertrain. And then when you've got the performance EVs, they're all quite heavy. So I actually think you've really done something different, moved the conversation on and really got people excited about what electric cars can do when you just look at the whole equation differently. So I think in that respect, it's such an exciting project because it's just there's nothing else like it and unlikely to be anytime soon. Yeah, and you must be the PR department's favourite person right now because that's one hell of a way to make a splash yeah, uh, yeah. into the into popular culture. Like Jack said, it's just, yeah. it's just resonated everywhere. But Max, thank you so much for... Um, 
giving us a little insight into it. It's an absolutely fascinating project that we've been behind since we first saw it. And God, what this car could potentially do, like you say, on the road, long distance, around a track. Yeah. Um, and it's if a you weapon. need a couple of uh, extra willing test pilots... You know, absolutely. Our we are pretty, we pretty plan empty. to do a day to try and get some more clients on board and, and get the press on board. So we'll make sure you're there. And trust me, you'll be shocked. Not to 61.3, 1.4 seconds. You, you feel like your guts are sort of half a mile back. It just punches you, but it's just an amazing experience. And the best thing about it, it's so easy to do. There's no skin involved doing naught to 100 in two and two and a bit seconds because it, it doesn't talk steer. It just pulls itself dead straight. So it's a, it's an amazing experience. Well, you said it's like a Skeletrix car, but I have crashed a few Skeletrix cars in my life. They have <laughs> yeah. fallen off the rails. So, yeah, we'll just have to yeah. Yeah, just It's basically it uncrashable. Watch this. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. yeah. uh, thank you so much, Max. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thank Legend. you for having thank me. Thank you. Cheers.